Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I have Marie Antoinette on the show. I'm really excited about this. My dear friend, Lisa Smart, um, who I just love. I cherish your friendship. Um, Lisa works with Raymond, Dr. Raymond Moody, as many of you know, if you've listened to my podcast. And um, she, when she met Marie, she suggested she reach out to me because I'm, as all of you know, I'm very passionate about children. And so is Marie. So Marie, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, it's quite of an um, interesting story, I suppose. I, I grew up in the Netherlands, and when I was 18, I moved to this continent and where I met my husband. And um, I got married young at 19, so at this point, that's uh, 33 years of marriage already. <laughs> and in that, um, <laughs> it's amazing how time flies. Um, I ended up in North, North America. My husband's from New Jersey. And um, I was always thinking I should be a scientist. And um, as I went to school for science, uh, got a Goldwater scholarship, which was supposed to put propel me into a medical degree. And, and when that hit me, I realized my entire being, it was only my head that was into that career. My entire being like revolted. I wanted something that was more connected to my soul. So I, um, I actually dropped away from that scene and had my kids and um, in one moment still searching kind of what I was really supposed to do with my life then if it wasn't medicine um, one day my neighbor was moving and my kids were three and five at the time and she said hey I know you want to homeschool them would you like to have this video and I looked at the cover and the video said it was a, a cassette that said yes you can draw and it was supposed to teach you how to draw and um it just hit me. I never even watched the video, but I, I thought to myself, you know, I used to draw. And I picked up a pencil and out spilled these portraits out of my hands. And that was the beginning of me um, really discovering a passion for, for drawing and painting people. And that's when I became an artist. And um, that's about 20 years ago now. And, um, and somewhere along the line, I've always had a real um, bent for spiritual things because I've had a real uh, connection with spirit and and just a curiosity about the world's religions and spiritual paths. And um, somewhere in the 90s or along the lines, um, I became friends. My husband and I became friends with Daniel Brinkley, who is um, a person who has had one of the most complete near-death experiences on record. And his, his book is called Saved by the Light. He wrote about it, and it was a New York Times bestseller. It even was a, a Hallmark movie with starring Eric Roberts, who's Julia Roberts' uh, brother. And um, his story really hit me um, in the heart where I um, realized that um, the reality of spirit, the reality of life goes on after we die. Uh, first-hand account from a person who had been there and come back rather than a philosophy or 
a mystical path or a religion that is, you know, thousands of years old that you that you take in kind of intellectually until you experience the, the truth of it yourself. But here was a person that had been to the other side, come back and validated all the things that I naturally knew in my heart and that I had um, encountered in my own spiritual studies. And so that affected me very strongly. And I and in the friendship, I said, you know, I want to take this information to children because um, I think it's a very valuable information for children to have. And um, I don't want to keep talking, but <laughs> oh, this is... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I realize that one, just a one conversation. Leads, yeah, one sentence <laughs> leads to the next. <laughs> but the the missing ingredient in that story is that as a child, I had those strong encounters with spirit and um, the other side, but I didn't have a context for it. And being left in the dark, you know, we were raised. Um, um, well, I always had a happy childhood, but um, and in a Catholic uh, mindset, but because my family's history is Catholic, but there weren't any real answers for that type of experience or any real um, support for a child who is sensitive to the other side. And so that left me in the dark. And I think being in the dark about it, I started to equate um, death with a black hole that could gobble people up. And I started to become scared, more scared than I realized I needed to be if I had had context. And that is the missing piece in the puzzle. So having my life path meet up with Daniel, having a natural interest in what near-death experiences are and spirituality, and then my own experience of not at first knowing how to handle it and then needing that information as a grown-up to really heal myself and round myself out, I said, you know what, kids need to have this. There's information out there for adults. At this point, quite a lot of information for adults, but very, very little bit for children still. And so... Uh, if they're blessed enough to have an adult that can help guide them, of course, that's a wonderful thing. But if there's picture books so they can take it in right from the start and relate it from their own perspective in their own world, I, I felt that would be a valuable um, contribution. So that was my driving force behind the book. Well, I totally agree with you. As Before we turn on the record button, I mentioned that I wrote a children's book, Love Magic, and it's it's all about teaching a child about signs and synchronicities after a loved one has passed. And, and I've always, I've always wanted somebody to write a book about like this, like Danny's story, your book, because it is so needed. And we'll talk about, mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that. But as a child, you said you had strong encounters with spirit, like mm -hmm. what, what, what sort of things? Well, um, um, mostly, I, I think souls reaching from the other side to connect and to, I think, also quite a few uh, souls that were stuck, you know, the ones mm -hmm. that don't actually make it into a freedom and into the light. And I didn't understand it and I couldn't uh, place it. And it wasn't completely supported in my environment that I could really um, say. And um, because of that, I was afraid. And I mm -hmm. think now in looking back that being afraid about it, made me more aware of the, the fearful energies and the lower spiritual vibrations that are out there. And now that I have matured and have uh, healed that and, and have great contact with spirit, I can see that I have more confidence and love. And therefore, I'm in touch with a very different uh, level of spiritual energy and very much more supportive um, healing energy and spirit. And so, um, again, that was what I would 
want to have done differently as a child because it was very much like I would see people sitting on my bed at night or, you know, hands reaching for me or I'd hear people calling me. And, you know, you think you're crazy. If you have no context for that, it's like, who's, you know, nobody's there. And so I'd have to reach out a lot to my mom and say, this is happening to me, but she couldn't verify or validate it. And she would like go back to bed. And um, well, what do you do with that? You know, if you have no real any information. And so she did attract a friend that was a clairvoyant who then validated to her that this was, you know, real spiritual experiences for me and suggested that she prayed a rosary for me to seal myself in some supportive loving energy and i remember i was 11 at the time when my mom started doing that and it did seal me into a safe space that i feel really gave me a break and um it's it's kind of i don't want to distract from the topic too much but you know the movie the sixth sense yes yes and and so um it's very much like that and i was always very upset at that movie from the point that they misrepresented him because in that movie, if you know exactly how he's sitting in a tent, and then in that tent, one of the spirits comes in and starts throwing up all over his statues and his sacred space. And I knew that was a lie because in my childhood, that's the one thing that kept me strong, safe, and protected is to say these prayers and to use a spiritual language and symbolism in order to uh, strengthen myself. And I knew that a vibration of fear and, a, and an intrusion of a, of a uh, broken soul could not come into that. And in the movie, they reversed right. that for like a horror factor so that you could be extra scared and really have a thriller element. And I, I've always said that is so unfair because children, again, need to know how this language of spirit works and how you can actually keep that side of yourself alive, awake, but also nurtured and healthy so that you don't have to be overwhelmed with but the way the world sees it all, on the one hand, they misrepresent it or they dismiss it or they poo-poo it and they say, there is really nothing out there and you're making it up. And I just want to, um, uh, you know, support children who Absolutely. are dealing with that. Yeah, you know, that's so, our show is so much about validating these experiences and, and putting it mm-hmm. into context. And you're such a great example of not having that and then feeling fearful and then your mother yeah. finding a way right. you know to help you gain that inner strength and sometimes it does come through religion sometimes a rosary sometimes that just the point being whatever works to help mm-hmm. you be able to validate yeah. that and and give you a sense of of inner strength so um for my listeners I'm Daniel Daniel Brinkley uh, please go and we will put a link to his, well, he's been on a lot of shows, but um, mm-hmm. what do you think the documentary would be the best or, or which show do you think would be best to, well, he's well, even on um, yeah. surviving yeah. death, isn't he? Um, yes. I think yeah, he and he's on the do series. Mm-hmm. And he's on George Norrie a lot. He is yes. out. You can find him on YouTube too, but his yeah. book saved by the light is an excellent book. Right. Right. And then so of course that's been made into a movie. Right. So. so when you say he had a complete near-death experience, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Uh, well, he is the first ever recorded uh, person who has recorded a story from being dead for 32 minutes, actually, like right. flatline for 32 minutes. They had him on a gurney rolling into the morgue when he came back to his body. So wow. it's quite extreme. And then the other extreme element of it is that once he was back and you know, he regained some function in his body and he was able to communicate that. He had a lot of memories of what, where his spirit or his soul went when his body wasn't alive. 
And that started, that was in the 70s. So that started um, him working with Raymond Moody and, and then, you know, the whole body of information because science and medicine has advanced so much and they can do so much now in terms of resuscitating people. So the yeah, stories exactly. keep adding. And, and what I found really um, striking, Marla, is beyond his story, is that with all these people coming back with their unique story, that there are overlapping elements and that these Absolutely. are independent, independent of cultural background or religious affiliation and really indicating, you know, a realm of spirit that has a language that we can all understand that had elements that we can expect to happen to us when we die. Right. And that to me is very freeing. Just to have the validation, what you know in your heart, but what you have to at first be kind of secret about, or you have to find like-minded spirit, you know, people to kind of share, but, but busting it wide open and making it part of the mainstream to say, you know, we are material beings in a physical, I mean, we are physical beings in a spiritual realm because the two sides make one whole, you know, right. I think spirit is to matter as yin is to yang. And the more we can see that and those two halves interacting i think the freer we can live mm, absolutely yes i i think it was dr pim bam lomel um he is a um, cardiologist from i think the i think he's dutch and i mm. think his statistics now say over 40 million near-death experiencers just in the united states wow and really so there's so much to learn and mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason this is happening of course yeah. it's happening because of the all of the resuscitation but to to wake up the world but the transformation is what is so incredible and you see those Daniel yeah. and 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 many others it just a a complete transformation and a complete mm -hmm. recall of the experience, even if it's 60 years later, nothing, mm -hmm. you know, details don't change. And so let's talk about um, Danny's story, not to, not to, well, I was going to say not to give it away, but <laughs> we can give it away. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> we know what we're talking about. Yeah. So why don't you just briefly um, just tell us a little bit about that. And then let's talk about why this, the a children's book like this is so valuable in our world in our world today. Okay, well, um, what I did, like I said, because I had the personal friendship with Daniel, and he was the the first person to affect me and my perspective. Um, I wanted him to hold kind of that spot of being the character in the book, and so I I translated him to a child, a, tw a twelve year old because children um, obviously will relate better to a character of their own age rather than a grown-up. And of course, because his story, um, uh, he in his experience, he died through a lightning strike that came through the, the power line of his telephone, because back in the 70s, you know, we had the landlines. And so that's too difficult in my book for a child to recover from in 30 pages, because I didn't want to end the book, obviously it needed to be a near-death experience where the child is resuscitated in the end and, and comes back with a message and all as well. Um, but um, so I made so those adaptations. So the child in my story is a surfer and he ends up getting caught in a storm and slammed on the water where he drowns. And in that drowning, he has his opportunity to visit the other side. But I did stay true to the elements of Daniel's near-death experience and the main ingredients that I was mentioning that people from around the world are kind of running into. And so I distilled it down to those elements so that children can, through this story, become familiar with 
the, the, the process of what happens when we die. So that it takes it away from that brick wall or that black hole that I used to be worried about. And um, it walks through the steps of when you die, how there's the, the light and the envelopment in the incredibly unconditional loving feeling and the, the, the music and the chimes that Daniel heard and that people hear when they go to the other side and just the, the warm enveloping light that spirit greets you with. And then there's the life review in the book. And then there's the, um, the moment where, you know, we ourselves, when we get through through that moment where you self-reflect on that life review and realize um, the nature of yourself and how much more you're capable of loving than you are usually allowing yourself to love in this world. And so that theme is in there. He's meeting loved ones, like people on the other side are always uh, ready to greet the next person and crossing puppy. over. And it's puppy. And so, you know, those are the steps that are all woven into the story. And then one main ingredient that I felt was really important that especially stood out in Daniel's story is Daniel was a self-described bad guy and truly a bad guy because he was not um, interested in other people before his lightning, before his death experience. He was in the army. He was, um, you know, he did the dark things in life. And he admits that in his book. And he still went to the other side. Whereas, you know, he was from the Bible Belt. So traditionally, you're taught then that, you know, hell is waiting for you. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to go to hell. I might as well have a party on my way there. That was his philosophy at the time. And um, what was striking about his book is that there's forgiveness. There is um, a connection for everybody. Once you connect with spirit, that unconditional love affects your heart in such a way that you realize it's not a smart choice. It's not a, a system of rewards and punishment that you don't want to, that you have to appease, but it's you yourself discovering the beauty and the power of, of love and of connectedness. And, and um, that in the story that I wrote um, is translated to Daniel being a little Danny at the circle who is a bully. And so he starts his, you know, the story starts with him being a bully. And then when he gets to the other side, he gets to see that he really held himself back by being a bully because he didn't share any happiness and he didn't really um, contribute. And so what I meant to uh, convey with that aspect is that idea that, you know, so many of us are still reacting to that idea that you have to bargain with god or or you know you have to earn your spot mm -hmm. in heaven or you have to fight not to be in hell that whole heaven and hell idea is why we react a lot in general to religion because it's we kind of intuitively know that there's an oppressive element that doesn't ring true and um what spirit has really confirmed for us is the unconditional nature of love and yes there are guidelines and yes you want to be within a framework of support and love but it is not a system of reward and punishment that yes. if you don't do this, then that's waiting for you. It's more of like, where does your consciousness hang out and how much love do you allow to be expressed through yourself? And once you catch on to that idea, how contagious that is and how fun and invigorating to just bring more love and to bring love on your terms and be creatively present with your life and make something cool out of it. So that idea Beautiful. is in the book. And, and Danny comes back transformed. And he, he becomes, does. Yes. yes. You know, yes. what I, uh, what I love about this book is that, and the message is that, you know, we, we have had to wait until we were older 
to find mm-hmm. out about these near-death experiences. And they're irrefutable. I mean, listen mm-hmm. to Dr. Bruce Grayson in my past interview from University of Virginia, um, head re- researcher of near-death yeah. experiences and even the science, you know, coming out on it. And it's such a message on how to live our lives yeah. on mm-hmm. these earthly realm, on this earthly realm, and not only how to live it, why it matters. Right. So can you can you just um just talk about that a little bit? Um yeah. Well, yeah, if I if I related to my own experience as a child, you know, having so much fear kind of um making me box off that experience and wanting right. to really be in this world so that I could push away anything that they didn't understand and that was scary to me. And then how the kind of the whole world has taken that theme and everything needs to be explained by science and everything has kind of become existentialist, you know, and we have to, you know, privately defend that we, we have a faith or a belief, but but publicly it all needs to be justified by science. And I think we do ourselves a disservice with that because I can see now how how knowing about spirit and, and accepting that reality opens you up to the magic, to the synchronicities, to the signs, because spirit isn't here to support us. It is a, it's a way to complete ourselves. And then when you understand that language, you know, as you call it, the magic, it takes over. It begins to support your life and help you flow in a direction so that it unfolds gracefully. Mm-hmm. And without that element, you kind of bump around and you have a lot of unknowns and you have a lot of more friction in my experience. I myself had, um, of course, I had to outgrow that idea that, you know, what I was experiencing was negative and, and I had to get my confidence back in it. And uh, that was a gradual process. And I, since I'm an artist, I told you, um, when I found that as I uh, paint portraits of people, that my spiritual faculties were really um, alive. And of course, you know, it has to do with drawing from the right side of the brain. You know, that's kind of the, yes. the side that we use to connect with the other side anyway. But I started noticing how effortless it was for me to paint the people that had already passed away versus the people that are still alive. And I started to notice that, you know, the egos don't get in the way and I could feel their souls and I could feel messages. And it became a, a kind of a conduit for connecting and getting messages which added the lust to the artwork because the people that were wanting simply a memorial because, you know, to fill a place of grief, uh, we're getting so much more information from the loved yeah. ones. And it was really a, a win-win for me because I didn't set out to do that. But I remember one time I was painting a portrait and this is in the very beginning stages of me kind of claiming back that I had that language, um, but this time without the fear or the stigma that I was weird or, you know, like the, right. the you know, not Yes, me. I know it well. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you like kind of, end up being secret about it or just kind of not not running with it well in this case i was doing a, a portrait and i felt compelled to play john denver songs and i know my sister was in the john denver and i'd had some songs and but it wasn't really a big um artist for me this is already like um you know 15 20 years ago but um i had to just this urge to put on john denver songs and i'm like all right well i'll get into it i was jamming to john denver I was painting this man and um these phrases kept popping into my, they stood out in the songs as if he was singing like 
particular phrase, you know how we sing, I love my lady, you know, I can't sing, right. but it was all about my lady and I love her and, and don't miss me, you know, on Denver song. So I was like, you know, this is going to be a little extreme. I'm feeling like this is a message. So I actually bit the bullet and I, I remember writing her an email. This is a lady that lived in Denver. I had never met her. The, the, a commission came in through the internet. So I wrote her and I said, you know, I have a feeling that this is your husband letting you know through me and through these songs that he's really loving you and he's really still there and don't miss him too much. And uh -huh. I hope you don't find me forward, but I just feel like I have to convey this message. So she wrote me back in tears sure. and she said that it is so amazing because every morning at 10 o'clock, she took their three doggies out for a walk while she had her headphones on playing John Denver music and she would cry the whole way just missing mm. him. And I was like, would you please stop missing him so I can play something else in John Denver's <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, and and this, this is how the language started. And we started to joke about it because he was using me. I had to listen to John Denver songs because right. she was listening to John Denver songs. And <laughs> well, you're the him. medium, right? Yeah. yeah. He's trying to get through to her. Please don't miss me so much because I'm right here. Because you know probably as well as I do that it's the grief and the, the pain of loss and separation that keeps those messages at bay. And so right. he right. couldn't get through to her while she was feeling him, obviously. Um she was re relating to it as a sense of loss rather than he's with me. With, and so he was using me to get through to her. And so that's how it's kind of evolved now. And so it's made it indisputable for me as well that the realm of spirit is such a real uh, completion of our reality that um, I feel in death, obviously, and that's why the story is about the near-death experience. We all come to that point. You know, like I said, our cultural backgrounds and our religions fall away and there's spirit waiting for us. And we, we move into that based on how we've lived and how where our consciousness is. But um, it's easier for us to have that common ground in death. But mm -hmm. I feel that's kind of the secondary message of this children's book is that when we understand that death is not real, not real, it's not the end, and it is that doorway into the spiritual realm, um, we don't have to wait for death to start activating that. Exactly. And we can do right now what I experienced with the painting, for example, but we can see, as you have been trying to convey in your children's book, the synchronicities and the magic right here, right now, and, and enhance our lives with it. Mm -hmm. And in, enhance in a way that then a child does have a place to go, like knowing that mm -hmm. there's something bigger, which mm -hmm. is so, so important. So mm -hmm. am I understanding from what you just said over the last few minutes that you actually do paintings of deceased loved ones through your mediumship abilities? Is that what you were doing with this woman in the John Denver story? You were doing a portrait I don't do it husband. as a medium. I, well, that not is as, not like, as a medium, yeah. but, but as an right. artist. Well, you are really portrait. being a medium. Yeah, <laughs> right. I am, but that's still a leftover from my childhood. It's like, I don't like to, you know, run with that per se, because yeah, then I, yeah, you feel I like a responsibility to right, bring information right. to people. Right. Whereas you know very well that spirit comes to you. You don't go asking for exactly. it and you know, bring it in. So. So I'm kind of like, if, if it's knocking, then obviously I'm available to receive the information. And I've had right. some really magical moments. But right. yes, I do paint. And when I paint people, that's um, the missing ingredient. It, it always right. adds that to it. But I, like I said, I don't advertise that. It's just what happens. Right. Yeah. Well, Marie, that's 
this book is just wonderful. I hope that it just explodes in the world. It's so, so needed. And I loved the questions at the end for parents or anyone listening that that is curious. And this isn't just for children who've experienced a loss or grieving. It's for everyone, everyone to know that, um, that, you know, there, that love is eternal and that we go on and it is important yeah. how we live in this earthly realm because it's, it is all about love. And, and some people who don't, you know, they don't buy into this, I guess that's the way I'll put it. Maybe, well, I'm not, I was going to say maybe they think it's cheesy, but it doesn't really matter. It's really sad, <laughs> in my opinion, but everybody yeah. has their own, you know, lessons to learn in this and that, but it's just so incredibly important for children. So I want to thank you so much for writing this book and we'll put a picture and a links and, and everything on the show. Is there well, anything? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to comment to what you said, because I can relate to the people that have a hard time having someone defined for them that, you know, what happens when we die, because in that phase where I was trying to bridge the difference between my childhood experiences and now my mature, integrated sense of how to live, um, I was pretty existentialist myself, because, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of have to throw everything out before you take back what's true for you. And I, I can kind of see them. And in, in, in fact, as I was struggling with that whole idea, I remember asking myself the question, who am I to paint the other side? Because it's an illustrated children's book. Yes. And then telling people, this is what it looks like. Right, and it right. took me, I think, a, the better part of a decade to actually make peace with that question. Because I know I wanted to be very genuine and authentic for children because they're such fresh little vessels and you want to give them truth. But at the same time, I had to interpret the other side and capture it uh, in order to write a book. And so what I came to conclude at the end of wrestling with that question is that it's not so much that my images are the way the other side looks, but that it is a vibration of feeling of the other side. I included, you know, the light and the, the, the real uh, buoyant, uh, vibrant colors and energies and the joy of it all. And, and that's everyone comes back with that story, mm -hmm. the joy, the vibrance, the life, the unconditional love of the other side. And so it's the feel of the, of the images. It's the vibration of the illustrations that I hope will prompt the reader to go and inquire for themselves how it is for them so they can use that vibration to kind of ride in on it. And then make it real for themselves. And that has been my intention about it, so that it's not meant to be taken literally like this is what it is, but exactly. this is how it feels. And mm -hmm. so hopefully that feeling, um, you know, sparks the conversation, sparks the inquiry into the other side so it can enrich their lives. Right. Absolutely. And I do love you made a very good point that I think almost all times you have to throw everything away. Something happens mm -hmm. and before you come to the point and it's what you throw away or what happens to you. It's certainly not a gift, but the gift out of it is that you know you know what what the truth is right yeah. 
Yes. And I don't think everyone um, in the, in one lifetime is meant to do that, you know. I so, agree. But mm -hmm. you and I have. <laughs> right. <laughs> are. And that's your and, journey. Yes, and that that's our journey. And and so anyway, that was that was a very good point. But so, I think the magic of that is that spirit is the support for it because you know this journey of this book for me it's been a long time. I I first thought of this idea in the late 90s when we became friends. And um, I, as much as I tried to get that book out, it didn't find a way yeah. out. And now looking back, I can see very much why that was, because back then it was me telling Daniel's story, and he was doing a fine job telling his own story. Right, and now, right. <laughs> 25 years later, I realized it's no longer just his story. It, it's the story for me that allows a person to connect with spirit for themselves because I myself have matured that conversation within me and I can now be confident that I found my way with spirit and mm -hmm. and know how to relate and integrate it. So it's no longer just that story. It's it's a way for, for us to come together and, and share our enthusiasm about all things mm -hmm. spirit like you and I are doing. Right. And not yeah. only that, thank goodness it's, you wrote it today versus in 1970 yes. because right, that's it, true it, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, there was a time for this to be written and the time is now yes. and, and yes. you were the chosen one to write that. So thank you. So anyway, it felt very well, special. Yeah. yeah it feels yeah. big to me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to find you, how would they go about doing that? Um, well, I have a website that is makfineart.com, and I am on Facebook and Instagram with the hashtag makfineart. But um, the book itself is available, you know, on Beyond Words, the publishers, or Amazon, or Barnes and Noble. Right. You know, type it in on the internet, and and you will be able to to get it. Great, so, great. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Lisa Smart. I miss you. Yes. I don't know. I need to get together with you. She's yeah. promised to come to Colorado, but she hasn't yet. So, oh, but thank you so much. And yeah. um, thank you for sharing the love and the stories and being so passionate about about the young. So, thanks well, so thanks, much. thanks for having me on, Marla. It was such a pleasure to meet you and a treat to yeah. be on the show with you. You're welcome. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.